You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. On the heels, Gordon Damo of a Ranger win. They're now 10 and 1 after a loss. That means they don't have a losing streak. Like you. How are you, Gordon? Larry, how are we feeling tonight? Oh, Impressive great. Ranger performance, that's for sure. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, they had something to prove. You know, they had the uh, the young whippersnapper, superstar, youngest man to make uh, mm-hmm. you know, the all-star game. You know, and Connor McDavid in the building. So they had to show what they were. And obviously, the last time out, Gordon, eh, not, not what you want. <laughs> the poor, not no, last time out, no. Yeah, well, look, uh, Rangers have had a very solid season. I'm not uh, as locked in on them as some other things. But, uh, mm-hmm. look, it, it's nice to have a team in New York that's uh, taking care of business right now. So uh, it, it's nice to have more than one of them. I think the Knicks are kind of doing that right now, and the mm-hmm. Rangers are doing the same. So that's good. It's nice to have more than one in the same building. Right. Normally the Rangers have been pretty consistent. The Knicks have been right. The other corners of the city are not exactly uh, coming with any home runs. That's for sure. <laughs> that's for sure. Gordon, let's chat about some of the things we're going to talk about on this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We'll begin with the New York Jets. And, of course, at the bottom of the hour, Rich Samini will join us. Dalvin Cook, released by the Jets, cleared waivers. Gordon, he's got fresh legs for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. Well, look, we always talk about, like, perfect situations for quarterbacks to go. It feels like if you were a running back looking mm. for a chance to have team success, have personal success, be part of an offense that is clicking on all – I don't know how much they're going to rely on him. Right. But if, if you were going to go to a perfect spot for a running back to get plugged and played up, that would seem like the perfect place to go. I agree with you. So we'll talk to Rich Samini about that and other things in New York Jets at the bottom of the hour. We'll also a little later in the show, Gordon, talk a little bit more about the Giants because they are right back where they were last year as far as Saquon Barkley is concerned. A lot of conversations about Saquon. We know what he wants. Uh, you know, we'll hear from Mike Tannenbaum a little later. He weighed in, as he always does, about Saquon Barkley. But once again, the Giants are in the position where they have to make a decision. Do they give him the franchise tag again, which is clearly something he doesn't want, but once again, on the Giants' side, here he was again, not able to give them a full season, although he's really the only consistent offensive player they have. Yeah, but that's the problem. That's the pro- like, th- that's not a reason to sign him because you have to improve the other parts of the offense. And at this point, sinking whatever money you're going to have to sink in to get Saquon Barkley back and happy and all these type of things... It just feels like uh, with the amount of things the Giants need on offense, I don't know that they can sink $10, $11 million into a running back on another one-year deal where he's not going to be happy with it. The guy's hurt all the time. It just seems like for, for both sides, the best thing is a parting. It did not work. It was a mistake to take him with the second pick. He would have been better off someplace else. He's a sensational player. He's a really good dude who does great. He represents the organization fantastic, but... At the end of the day, it's about winning games. And next year's a really big year for Joe Shane and Brian Dable. And I just think for for everybody involved, it would be better for Saquon to go someplace that he is going to be better utilized, which would be basically anywhere. And it would be better for the Giants to kind of rebuild an entire offense from from soup to nuts. So you kind of get the feeling, like a lot of other folks, that he Sunday is probably going to be his last game with the Giants. I, I don't. I think that the Giants are still going to bring him back. Hmm, I think that they're still going to bring it back. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Hmm. But I think that the ownership really like, and and rightfully so, he represents the Giants in the the best way possible, on and off the field. He is a great player. Well, he's a a very good player. He's hurt a lot. 
but when he plays, he is dynamic. He is special, but he does. Based on what the Giants have, they can't take advantage of his specialness. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's almost situation. like a luxury item at this point. Yeah, it's tough. It's really tough because they went out. They tried to get better. They brought in, uh, you know, Waller, who we knew. What did we always say about him? If he's healthy, he can help them. And he right. wasn't healthy, so he didn't help them. Uh, Jalen Hyatt has shown some signs, but once again, you listen to Amani Toomer, and he was on the K Show today. I mean, Gordon, they don't get the ball downfield with, with, with Daniel Jones enough that you see that every time, every person you hear. What a different offense with Tyrod Taylor in there. He gets the ball down the field. Even when Tommy DeVito was there and moved the ball a little bit. What a different offense with Tommy DeVito. Are they eventually going to let, you know, Daniel Jones throw the ball downfield? How are you going to make the assessment on him in this fifth year? Well, I'll say this. I think this is a very dangerous game for the Giants on Sunday. The people will say it's meaningless. It's not meaningless. The the one thing the Giants have to get done this offseason is they got to figure out who their quarterback is long-term. Mm-hmm. It ain't Tyrod Taylor. It ain't Tommy DeVito. I don't think it's Daniel Jones. They have to get their quarterback this offseason, and they have to rebuild an entire offense. They have to fix an offensive line that has had issues. I mean, God, we were talking about the yeah, Jets' right. offensive line, the Giants' <laughs> offensive They have to get skill positions. They have to start – Finally, really start building an offense. They do not have many pieces that are long-term pieces on that offense. And if they go and win this game on Sunday, there's a very good chance it's going to really hurt their ability to get the quarterback they want. They are going to have to pay significantly more to move up and, and possibly get that guy. No question about it. Continuing with some of the stories we'll talk about tonight on ESPN New York tonight in the NBA, they announced Gordon has fined the Nets $100,000 for violating the league's player participation policy with a case of extreme load management in that loss a couple of weeks ago to the Bucks. NBA says this investigation, which was reviewed by an independent physician, found that not one, not two, not three, but four Nets rotation players who did not participate in the game could have played under the medical standard in the player participation po- policy Plus, it extended into the game the load management. Mikael Bridges, Cam Thomas, Royce O'Neal did not play after the first quarter. Are the Nets tanking? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I just want to know what happened to the amazing Nets culture. They had this amazing culture that I, culture, culture, culture. The Knicks they had this terrible culture, 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 and then you know what happened. The Nets players and their talent, not as good. The Knicks talent, far better. And now all of a sudden, I don't hear that much about the Knicks culture. And I don't hear anything about the Nets culture. I wonder what happened to this Nets culture, Larry. I heard so much about it. They were building something special. It is so crazy how this franchise has turned. And once again, listen, they they weren't the only team. There were a lot of other teams who were interested in trying to get Kevin Durant and knew that Kyrie Irving was coming along. Absolutely. A lot of them. But before that. Gordon, they were building something over there. D'Angelo Russell, uh, mm-hmm. before he went to you know a bunch of other teams. Now he's with the Lakers. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie was a different player there. They had they had built something with young players, and they, and Kenny Atkinson is the head coach. And then they they decided, listen, let's take. He's available. Let's do what we need to do to bring him in. Absolutely. And it didn't work. And listen, nope. on paper, it should have worked. Yeah, it was and, the right thing look, to do. If Durant's what does he wear, a 17? If he wore a 16, yeah. and that was a three instead of a – maybe things are different. Maybe, maybe things are different. But yeah. they didn't, and away it goes.
Gordon, I'm not sure about this move. Harrison Bader and the Mets have agreed to a one-year $10.5 million contract. The 29-year-old Bronxville native offers premium defense in center field. But I don't have to tell you, Gordon, he's coming off a rough year offensively that led the Yankees to put him on waivers in August when he landed with the Reds to finish the year. Now, I get from a defensive standpoint, this helps the, the, the Mets. They're, he's a better center fielder than Brandon Nimmo. And now I can move Nimmo to left or maybe mm-hmm. even right, depending on depending on whether Starling Marte is mm-hmm. able to play. I mean, let me tell you how bad he was for Starling Marte. He got a base hit in his first at bat in the Winter League. And it made front, and, and it was all over the place. Everywhere I saw, Starling, I saw video of Starling Marte <laughs> getting a base hit in the winter league. That's how that's how it's been for him over the past two seasons. So logically, I understand it. But Gordon, this is a team that needs some offense. We still haven't figured out what's going on with the DH. And now you're telling me Harrison Bader. Okay, he's a, he's a very good center fielder. What am I getting stick wise from him? He's not much of an offensive player. He's really had only like two seasons that were mildly above average uh, in terms of, and that's not his main problem. His main problem is he just is never healthy. He's always hurt. Uh, he was always hurt with the Yankees. That was the reputation. He was hurt when the Yankees traded for him. He got hurt. He got healthy. He got hurt again. He was always hurt. So uh, he is a he is a, so- a very strong defensive center fielder. It does improve your outfield defense. Uh, I just don't. What are the Mets doing this off? This know. is the offseason. We're getting Luis know. Severino and, and Harrison. What happened to the great Steve Cohen money bags? Where's where's Scrooge McDuck? What happened to him? I don't know. And and here's the main right now, the way this season is, if they don't come off with a premium DH, Gordon, this is a bad this is an awful offseason for the Mets. It's an awful offseason. I don't know. I don't know what other way you – now, look, there are, there are a lot of guys left to be signed. I'm assuming the Mets are going to add to their rotation at some point with some sort of they, – they have to have some kind of splash. This is your worst fear of punting on next season. Yeah. The, yep. the group that they put together, this is not a strong – this is not, hey, let's take a couple of shots on guys and let's add some, some guys that we know are going to be good long-term – Maybe not top of the market, but some solid players that we can always kind of have on the roster and, and kind of build around with some some better players in the years beyond. But mm-hmm. we still leave ourselves open to see some young play. This is like, this, I mean, what are we doing? I don't know. Joe Joey good. Wendell and, oh. and and Luis Severino. Yeah. So they really did punt on 2024. Uh, look again. Still a long off season to go. There's still a lot of guys to be signed. Yankees haven't really signed anybody as of yet. I know they signed some guy today that I'd never heard of before in my right. life. So that's not exactly. Um, yeah, but you picked but, up Juan Soto. Yes, but they haven't. Have they haven't spent any money. Team, they have, but they haven't spent any money. They haven't gone and gotten their starting. The Yankees and Mets were both in on Severino. We're both offering 300. Mets more than 300. And now, okay, well, Severino. Uh, excuse me, Yamamoto. uh, Yamamoto's not around. Okay. I'm not saying you have to go spend $300 million on the next. Can you spend something on the next? Can yeah. we talk about somebody? It doesn't make any sense. To me, for the Mets, it would have been a clear-cut move to me. It doesn't seem like there's much of a market for, for Bellinger. Right. Put Bellinger in center field. Now you got a stick. Now yeah. you got a guy who's still young mm-hmm. who, if, he, if it does uh, you know, happen that Pete Alonso's gone, he could tr- transition to first base. Either that would have been a better move. This is just like a stopgap. It is. There's no question about it. And then, worst news as far as I'm concerned, uh, Mauricio's not coming back till September. 
They announced today underwent surgery to, to repair the torn that anterior cruciate ligament in his right knee. He's going to be out 8 to 12 months. So, you know, all the positivity you saw with him, the ability mm -hmm. to steal bases, yeah. showed you some defense, top of the order, give you some life in your offense. Now he's down. So once again, I mean, look, and I don't know what I'm getting at third base. Okay, Vientos, I don't know where he's going to be. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm just, it's I, not the offseason yeah. I expected. Yeah. Well, look, from a, a Yankee point of view, a Yankee fan point of view, I am also frustrated. I mean, the Soto move is great. But there's got to be more. I'm 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 getting a little a little deja vu from last year. Oh, don't mm -hmm. worry, we're not done. And they were done. Yeah. Um, from a Met point of view, you've kind of had a similar offseason, but you don't have Soto. You don't have that big piece. Yeah, so I don't have. I, I still nothing. expect them to make a a splash move of some kind, and there are still a lot of guys available. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the I never thought that when they sold off last year and there was talk and. and conversation are the Mets punting on next year I'm like they're not going to punt on next year they might not go full bore into it but they're not going to punt on this kind of feels like punting they punted now we'll see what they do with the DH right. right and we'll see what they do with the rest of the rotation but I mean for me and listen I, I can't kill him because he offered the same deal that the Dodgers did and Yamamoto went with the Dodgers so I can't I can't say that he didn't try. He flew all the way over to Japan. He did what he needed to do. Now, does it can I say to him, well, could you have given another twenty five million to, to add to this yeah, but deal see, that's to make the sure thing. you lock him he, in? But the, he does, I think he got burned from last year, Gordon, and I well, think he's like, I'm not trying to overpay for anybody right now. Yeah, well, the, the problem is, is the Mets are not on equal footing with the Dodgers, right? Right. Uh, they're not close to – and if you're Steve Cohen and you, your brand is overpaying, you are the guy with the most money and you can have anything you want to simply make the same deal as someone else ain't good enough. You knew yeah. – if, if you would have told me going in, the Mets are going to – on any free agent, the Mets are going to offer the same as a team that always goes to the playoffs every single year. Let's mm -hmm. use the Dodgers. and Yeah, you're not going to get He's going to go to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, to me, that was where the opportunity was lost. If I had known going in, Mets are going to offer the same amount as someone else, well, they're probably not going to get the guy. How, yeah. how serious are you about getting the guy? So, uh, to me, that was, a, that was an absolute missed opportunity. Now, if you had offered three seventy-five, four hundred million dollars, and he still mm -hmm. went to the do all right, then then there's nothing you could do. He right. don't want to be here. But right. I thought it was missed opportunity to come in with the same offer as someone else. Yeah, it looks that way. So you know, now we'll just wait and see what they do. Oh, by the way, the, the Atlanta has already signed Chris Sale. Right. Okay, they got, got Chris him Sale and signed out, him for right. two nice more deal years. for him. Yeah. Yeah. So so you know he's going to win thirty this year. Because he's with, the, with Atlanta, you know he's going he's right. to he's, he's going to go back to the form where he was even before even before Boston. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Just just what you need as a Met fan in your division. Yeah, and and the problem for the Mets is they have the Braves in their division and they have the 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 Dodgers in their in their league. Yeah. So you got two you got two hurdles to climb. And the Phillies aren't bad. No. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you got to walk before you can run. Yeah, and the Phillies aren't bad. And listen, you know, who, who, in Miami eventually, you know, with that pitching, they're eventually going to, you know, take some wins away from you. You're not going to dominate. You're not going to continue to dominate Miami the way you've been. Yeah, this is – I don't know how is it. And I really haven't heard this from Met fans that much, but I, maybe it's because there are still moves to be made. Mm -hmm. But, man, it feels like this has been a very disappointing offseason if you're a Met fan. It has. It's not been what you want. It's not been no. what you thought of. But hopefully, once again, if I can get a DH out of it, 
I feel I feel a little better. If I can get a DH, if I can get Martinez or or a solid DH, okay, and I get another pitcher, then I got to yield that that the great David Stearns knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and we'll have some kids in the minor leagues, and they'll come up, and that'll be something that we can wrap our hands around uh, for this team this this season. But you know, I mean, look. When you look at how baseball has been, Gordon, they're not out of. You can't say they're not out of the postseason. I mean, no, they of course get not. The streak, they, no, they could still because they still have a very good in. core. Yeah, they can still find their way in. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just their interpretation of of marginally improving and my interpretation of yeah. improving is not the same. There's there's <laughs> not, not one not move the that the Mets made this offseason that you're like, okay, that one is definitely going to work. Yeah, exactly. Not yet. Well, hopefully it will. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your phone calls, but first, Rich Cimini joins us next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. Rich Cimini joins us here. Does a tremendous job. Should get battle pay for this season. <laughs> Covering the Jets for us, and the flight deck is going to be... Ritz, you're going to have an interesting offseason on the flight deck. I, I know you're looking forward to the offseason, but it's going, to be, it's, it's going to be a very busy one, I suspect. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Well, Happy New Year to you guys. Thanks for having me again. It's, uh, it's always an interesting offseason with the Jets. You know? So it won't be as interesting as last offseason because we had the entire Rodgers saga, but uh, you never know. You never know. There's always uh, some stuff around the corner that we never predict. That's for sure. Rich, what was the reasoning for announcing, what, three, four games to go in the season that everybody was coming back? Great question. I I thought the timing was weird. It was a curious timing. Um, Why not wait till the end of the year? Why not wait to see how it plays out? Um, It came on the heels of Rodgers essentially making the announcement himself on the McAfee show. So maybe Woody Johnson just wanted to double down on that and and show that he's, you know, in support of this leadership team. Um, I, I, I think it was what he was thinking all along. I don't think he woke up that Sunday morning and said, you know what, guys, I, I think I'm just going to announce this. I, I know for a fact that you know, it was the way he – I don't think he really ever entertained the idea of firing Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, and I know that – People on the coaching staff and around the building were fairly confident they were coming back anyway. And so Woody Johnson really verbalized publicly what he had been telling people behind the scenes for weeks. And so, but yeah, the timing's weird. I mean, uh, why not wait till the end of the year? Maybe he just wanted to be proactive. It hasn't worked if he was hoping for better results on the field because, as you saw last Thursday, that was a dreadful performance by the Jets. So, Rich, in hindsight, is it fair to say that management, coaching staff, really once once Rogers went down, they just they all punted on the season. They all decided this is the way it is. We're not moving on. We're not making any additional moves if we have to. Not backup quarterback. We're going to ride it or die with with Zach Wilson. We'll have a determination one way or the other what's going on with him. Because I mean, really, when you think about it, what adjustments did they make throughout the season, personnel wise? Well, you know, I mean, there's really not a lot you can do in the season. I mean, what were they going to do? I People wanted them to go get Josh Dobbs. Well, how, to, how does that work out for Minnesota? You know, uh, Carson Wentz is going to start a game on Sunday because the Rams, you know, they just didn't want to get Stafford hurt. But, you know, Carson Wentz wasn't the answer. Everyone's looking at Joe Flacco. 
you know, great for Joe. He's, he's playing awesome in Cleveland. It's a great story for the NFL, but he wouldn't be playing like this for the Jets, you know, so uh, behind this offensive line. So I don't think they punted on the season, Larry. I, I think it looks like they punted on the season. I think they would have done something if they thought it would help. And in retrospect, they made some bad decisions. Obviously, entrusting Zach Wilson with the number two quarterback job was, you know, the fatal decision probably unraveled the entire season. And uh, I'm curious to see if Joe Douglas, when we talk to him on Monday, comes out and admits that. You know, uh, I'd like to see him show some accountability because Joe Douglas did not have a good offseason last year. A lot of his moves backfired, including one that just – came to uh, the forefront a couple of days ago with the release of Dalvin Cook. That was another bad move. So, uh, yeah, so this was not a, a good move, a season or year for anyone in the Jet organization. Rich, is there a regular time where Woody does talk to the media? Like, do you get him, like, once a year? Well, he uh, he normally talks at the owners' meetings in the spring. I know uh-huh. he did this year when we were out in Arizona. Uh, when the Rogers stuff was still percolating, and then uh, he typically talks at the end of the season. He so okay. I think there's a chance he may speak next week okay. at some point. Uh, I know he did last year, uh, a few days after the season ended. That's when he came out and said that you know we're one one quarterback away from being a championship team. He said he was willing to go out and make a bold move and spend money to find that quarterback at that particular time. No one thought. I mean, Aaron Rodgers still wasn't in the rumor mill yet, but uh, a couple of weeks later, it became apparent that Rodgers was their target. So, yeah, hopefully Woody Johnson will speak uh, at, at next week some point. When you talk to him, do you expect – I'm sure it, people are going to ask him about a playoff mandate for next year. How do you think he'll handle that? I think he'll handle it like he always handles it. He says he'll say no. Um, I mean, I've known Woody Johnson since the moment he became the Jets owner in 2000. So 24 years, I think we've probably asked him out of 23 off seasons, we've probably asked him 17 or 18 times, is there a playoff mandate for the coach the next year? And without fail, he says, no, I just think that is not part of his ownership mentality or philosophy. That's, really out of the George Steinbrenner school. I don't think Woody subscribes to that. And so I would be very surprised if he comes out next week and says, these guys got to make the playoffs next year or else. But is it kind of understood with the coaches, the head coach and the oh, general manager? Yeah, I think it's kind of, at this point, it's kind of understood. I mean, look, Robert Sala, it is, it is unusual in today's NFL for a coach to have three losing seasons in a row and get a shot at a fourth. So I think it's pretty much understood in the building that if they don't do it next year, then they're all going to be gone. So whether Lee Johnson articulates that or not publicly, uh, and again, I, I don't think he will, but I think everyone understands what's at stake next season. Rich, uh, in terms of the offensive line, I'm sure that's going to be a hot topic this offseason. Two things. Uh, would you expect Becton to be back at the right price next year? And is AVT expected to be ready for the start of next season? Yeah, I think uh, Elijah Vera Tucker will be. Uh, from what I understand, he's doing pretty well at his Achilles rehab. So, yes, I, I think he'll be ready to go for training camp. And then uh, Becton, I was actually talking to Makai yesterday. I think he has an interest in returning. 
to the Jets. Uh, I think the idea of play with Aaron Rodgers is really intriguing to him. They, they've grown quite close over the last few months, and I think that's intriguing. Uh, whether the Jets have a mutual interest, I, I don't think so. I, I think the Jets are going to move on. I mean, they might have some limited interest, like on a one-year prove-it type deal with Mackay, but I, I think the Jets are going to look to move on and find another left tackle in the offseason. Along those lines, Rich, are they going to – which is – let me ask it this way. Which would help them the quickest? Because you can't rebuild the whole offensive line in one season. So which would help them the quickest? They'll try. Would it be, <laughs> I know they will. <laughs> Again. <laughs> will it be Again. Will it be to, to try to change it, or is it to try to change the blocking scheme that they're asking this offensive line to block behind? You know, that's a really good question, Larry. I mean, they they kind of molding, melding together two different schemes. I mean, they brought in Nathaniel Hackett, who runs a West Coast offense, uh, really a pure West Coast offense, which is something different than they had last year under Mike LaFleur that was more of a Shanahan West Coast offense. And then they hired Keith Carter as their offensive line coach this year, and he had his own thoughts, and they tried to, you know, just blend his blocking scheme into Hackett's offense and it obviously didn't work. The offensive line has been poor all season. I mean, we saw on the first play of the season, or actually it was the second play of the season where they threw a pass and the two tackles were tough blocking, and Aaron Rodgers was running for his life. And then on the fourth play, the tackles are cut blocking again, and Rodgers suffers his, his Achilles injuries. And guess what? They did not attempt a single cut block for the remainder of the season. It was removed from a playbook after the Rodgers disaster. And I think that was like basically a message saying to Keith Carter that we don't like that particular scheme. So, um, so I, I think Carter is, it was a Robert Sala hire from a year ago. I don't think he's universally beloved by the players on the offensive line. And so that would be a really interesting uh, situation for me to watch in the off season. Rich, uh, the the latest thing with Rodgers popping up this week is the whole thing and the back and forth with Jimmy Kimmel, and it feels like it's just been one story after another for a guy who's not played really all season long. Is there any feeling within the organization that that they might ever say to Rodgers to kind of cool it with the the off-the-field stuff? No, I've heard people on the radio talk about that and, and say they should admonish him. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I mean, he is. Uh, I, I don't think that that would happen. I mean, I think. I mean, clearly, he's got to be a little more careful with some of the stuff he says. I think he relishes the spotlight um, quite clearly. I mean, that's an understatement. But yeah. uh, no, I don't think anyone's going to call him on, on the carpet and say, you know, you get to shut up. You know, no one's going to tell that to Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I think uh, hopefully cooler heads will prevail on this whole whole situation and, and people could act maturely. And we are hoping to get Rodgers um, after the season, you know, maybe even the day after the season. So mm. we have not talked to him since, um, I think it was since the week he was activated to, to practice, you know, or week he, you know, right around that particular time when he was still hoping to play. So uh, looking forward to getting a chance to um uh, you know, check in with him in a few days. Are yeah, you going to see what uh, what, other, what other moves he's going to make uh, this offseason? <laughs> he's got a busy You're going to ask him what his offseason – I'm going to ask him what his draft board looks like <laughs> and, uh, you know, see what receivers he's going to be in and whether David Bakhtiari is, 
is going to be on their uh, short list and so forth. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Rich, but along those lines, how do you think – now, look, it's not, it's not unusual for ownership to check in with your star players about players that you would like to have on the team that could help you and, and help the team. But, I mean, do you see, other than Alan Lazard, who's under a contract, do you see any of the previous uh, suggestions from uh, Aaron Rodgers back on this roster next year? I mean, Billy Turner, do you think he's back? No, no. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, Billy Turner's a free agent. Uh, I don't think he'll be back. Randall Cobb is a free agent. I don't think he'll be back. I suspect he'll, he'll retire. Um, who else? Boyle's already been cut. So, mm-hmm. and, and Lazard, you know, they owe him $10 million fully guaranteed. So, uh, I mean, unless they can, you know, they, they can't trade him, no one's going to take that contract. Uh, the Jets would have to eat a lot of that money. So I think Lazard will be back. I think the hope for Lazard is that he just uh, will be better with Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback. I think that's the hope with every player on the offense, that they'll be better with Aaron Rodgers uh, at quarterback. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't fault the Jets for what they did. I mean, the idea was sound. They were trying, you know, they were bringing in a 40-year-old quarterback who was set in his ways and wanted to do things a certain way. And they figured, let's get some people around him who know the offense, who know him, and will make his transition easier at this stage of his career, much the way the Buccaneers did with Tom Brady. You know, the difference is that Tom Brady brought in guys like Glock and, and Leonard Fournette, who were really good players for them and, and helped them win a Super Bowl, and the Jets brought in guys who, who weren't good players. So um, I, I think there'll be less of that this offseason, just because Rodgers is now established here. He feels more comfortable uh, so, no, that's not to say they won't try to get a Devontae Adams. I mean, I, I, I do think they'll make a run at him. Not sure they'll get him, but they will make a run at him. But I think there'll be less of the uh, the Rodgers guys this offseason. Rich, is there a guy on the current Jets that has beaten the Patriots ever? No. No, no that's not, not in a Jet uniform. No, no, no I didn't right check. Now. No, it's pop- Yeah. Well, uh, the, the longest tenured guy is the long snapper, Thomas Hennessy. And he has not. I mean, it's been 2,933 days since the Jets beat the Patriots. <laughs> not, that I'm, not that I'm counting or anything, right. but, uh, you know, it's, it's been incredible. It's, it's 15 straight games. I talked to a couple of players, a few players this week, and, you know, clearly Robert Sala has been downplaying that both publicly and privately this week. He does not want the players to, to make that a big deal. But the players I talked to have said it is – definitely on their minds and uh, Bryce Huff said it was annoying it's been annoying and they'd like to put an end to it and um, you know it's it's a fascinating storyline for Sunday because these are two teams that could probably both benefit more by losing in terms of draft position so I mean how what's the outcome I mean are the Patriots gonna win one for Belichick you know on his in his probably his final game but if they if they win, it'll probably cost them a shot at Caleb Williams or Drake May, you know, because they'll drop down in the draft order. So the Patriots are better off losing organizationally because they they could get the number two pick. You know, there's a chance they could get that number two pick, which is going to be extremely valuable. And so it's just a weird setup, you know, the way this has come down between these two teams and Belichick is likely last game. But uh, I, I do think the Jets really want to just unload that baggage that they've been carrying for, for what, 
six or seven years already. Eight. It'll be eight years if they lose. Rich, if anybody can answer this question, it's you. Okay. What does Belichick? Uh-oh. Why does Belichick hate the Jets so much? You've been around this team. You've you've talked to people that's close to him. What is his obsession with with just embarrassing this team the way he's done? Yeah. Well, I mean, he has quite clearly. Uh, you know, just to throw out a little nugget, Belichick. I think he's won 39 games in his career against the Jets. Uh, that includes one while he was Cleveland Browns coach. That's more games than any coach has won against a single team in the Super Bowl era. So he has been very successful against the Jets. Why does he hate him? Um, well, I mean, that was a really, really nasty divorce that they had. And by the way, just to uh, pounce on the timing of this, today is the 24-year anniversary of the infamous Belichick uh, resignation press conference. So, um, you know, was that, so that the was wildest thing you've been part of with the Jets, Rich? Yeah, that was the wildest day because you show up expecting Belichick <laughs> to be introduced as the coach. You know, you have your questions ready on you know how you're going to coach right. the team and so forth. What's it like replacing Parcells? And you show up and the guy quits on the spot. So yeah, that was a curveball. Uh, that you don't expect. And so that was a nasty divorce. I mean, that went to the courts. You know, essentially, Belichick was suing the Jets to get out of his contract, and that left a lot of hard feelings. And then I think the the nail in the coffin or just, you know, in 2007, Spygate. I mean, the Jets, you know, ratted him out on Spygate and cost Belichick a lot of money, a, a draft pick, and, you know, blemished his reputation and so that's a that above all might be the biggest reason why he hates the Jets. So yeah, a lot of a lot of acrimony in the relationship. And I know some stuff that I'm probably shouldn't share on the radio about the relationship. Ooh. But yeah, mm-hmm. let's just say I think he just revels in seeing the Jets uh, suffer. It's going to be in that book, Gordon. Oh, that book is going to it's going to be like the Encyclopedia Britannica you used to have as a kid. It yeah. will just be lined just, up. I'm going to save that one for the book, but um, but yeah, it, it is a uh, it's a fascinating rivalry, and he's owned it. And let's let's not give Belichick all the credit either. I mean, the right. guy named Tom Brady had a lot to do with it, Absolutely. and they had some fantastic some fantastic teams along the way that um, you know that just beat the Jets. It wasn't just Belichick, but we like to you know focus on him and put him on the uh, on the platform because of who he is and what he represents to Jet fans. But uh, but he's a great coach, and I'm sure he'll be coaching somewhere next season. And he's still there, and he's still winning when it comes to the Jets. That's the that's the issue, Rich. And for me, you know what? I just get the feeling he'll lose. He, if, if they beat him on Sunday, he will still find a way to trade down in the draft before he's fired <laughs> and take whoever they want and, and put him in the, in the lineup and put him in the, in, in the Patriots uniform. He hates him. Well, hates I think him. like when coaches – I think when coaches know they're leaving, you know, like they love to win a game to just hurt the team's draft position, the team they're leaving behind. I think remember when Rex Ryan was finishing up in 2014, they won a game or two at the end that cost at the time we thought it was a big deal. It cost them a shot at Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. And we thought that, Oh my God, the Jets just blew their shot at like a franchise quarterback. And I know Rex, knew he was getting fired and he just loved the fact that, you know, his victory was able to hurt the Jets draft position the following year. So I think coaches do think, I think Adam Gase probably 
to this day is laughing about how they won that game in, in Los Angeles and yep. the Jets got knocked out of the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So he's probably sitting back somewhere in Florida and laughing about that. But um, yeah, so that's Belichick is in fact moving on. I'm sure he will take um, a lot of joy in maybe costing the Patriots a, uh, a uh, shot at one of those two quarterbacks. Rich, enjoy the game on Sunday. I hope the weather is going to be tolerable. You know how Foxborough is this time of year. And thanks for a couple of minutes. We'll talk to you um, after the season. Thanks, Rich. All right, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Rich. Gordon, I'm telling you. And Rex is still trying to get back with the Jets. Even even oh, having yeah. done that, he's still trying to coach the team again. Yeah. <laughs> he auditions every week on this station. <laughs> 1-800-919-3776. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to the best of ESPN New York tonight. I was saying to Harvey in the break that when Rich said that, it made me interested. And he asked me why. I said, well, if you don't want to tell me something, now I'm interested. That's yeah. what I become inter- really interested in. Oh, yeah. He'd be, he'd be a great tease in the business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that did yeah. it right there. Let's take a couple of phone calls, Gordon. 1-800-919-3776. Tommy's in Connecticut. What's up, Tommy? Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing? Hey, Tommy. Uh, just real quick, uh, before I get to my sports points, uh saw a video a little while ago. Uh, the big fella himself, Chris Carlin, I guess he had to move his uh, mother from the East Coast like to Iowa for a different uh, assisted living facility. So I just want to send well wishes to the whole Carlin family. Okay. Well, and, absolutely. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Definitely. Uh, Want to talk Rangers quick, but uh, I, I I can't I can't skip over uh, the Team USA getting to the finals in the World Junior uh, Hockey Championship over in Sweden today. Nice. Couple, couple good, couple good Ranger prospects on that team. And then uh, this this Ranger team this year they they just they just don't want to lose two games in a row. They just don't thing. feel like doing it. And uh Artemi Panarin is just he's having he's having some kind of a season. I mean I know I know there's tons of skill in this league. You know, you got McDavid, you know, you got Austin Matthews, you got Jack Eichel, and I know Harvey wants me to say, you know, Jack Hughes. But uh Panarin, Panarin's having himself some kind of a year. I hope he I hope he puts himself in the running for the Hart Trophy. Well, Tommy, if he keeps this up, I think he will. Thanks for the phone call. And, and listen, you know, Gordon and I are, you know, we pop, we check on the Rangers now and then. We, we're more, you know, we, we parachute in come playoff time. and what Playoff time. They got another 50 know. games or so to warm yeah. up a little bit, and then exactly. uh, then we'll, we'll, we'll dive right in, Larry. Yeah, yeah we parachute in like we've been there all year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, listen, for me, the team, you're right, they don't like to lose two in a row, and that's a good thing because you don't get losing streaks that way. But ultimately – as long as they continue to play better in front of the net, going to give their, their their goaltenders a chance to see the ice and see where the puck and have good vision, they'll be okay. They can score points, you know. Are you a little concerned? Because when they get sloppy that way on the other side, they've given up a lot of six-plus goal games, which is kind of crazy for them considering how well they've played. But for the most part, they've, they've, they've done really well. So you just hope they continue to play consistently as they can. Absolutely. Well said, Larry. Well said. Uh, Jose's in Brooklyn. What's up, Jose? 
Hey, good evening, Larry, GD. Shout out to the company. Hello to Chantal and Harvey. Uh, I, I, I have a Brooklyn point and a Knicks point, but before that, you know, I, I definitely were, you know, was hearing you guys chuckle. And yeah, I want to chuckle too, but it just hurts too much, you know, because that that book is going to be amazing and you know i can't i just can't wait and i just can't, and and i know samini's going to have some insight on you know this team as well and 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 the inner workings and jesus you know i think it should be an anthology essentially like gordon said an encyclopedia set <laughs> it's like um, a, bo- a book of the month club every month you get a new book <laughs> written by rich about the dysfunction yeah. of the jets during his time mm-hmm. with the jets now, just as a joke, uh, you know, what will make me chuckle, you know, just to, you know, I, 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 Gordon is, you know, nervously waiting for this big playoff matchup, you know, with the Bills on Sunday. It, will be, it would be nice to see Miami drop all those playoff seedings. So, you know, hopefully, you know, hopefully Gordon's, you know, pessimism is, is correct. But um, as far as the Brooklyn Nets, you know, it's really sad what they went through. But this is what happens when you sell a book, book of uh, uh, bill of goods, which is, you know, uh, you know me, I'm not, I'm not a fan of narratives, but you know, wasn't Mikel Bridges supposed to be this big all-star? Well, he was supposed to be, he's, he's better than what he's played. <laughs> he's better than what I, he's played. I, I, I honestly feel like this is Mikel Bridges. I think he can be better. Um, but he, but, the, but, the, but, you know, there have been moments where he has disappeared and this mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, you know, those situations. And, you know, I, I, I thought we were just kind of overselling it. I think he's a very good number two option and could, um, but, uh, but he's better served as a three or four. Um, as far as the Knicks, you know, I was watching, you know, the Knicks and everything. And, and believe me, I love you guys because you guys are always straight to the point and, you know, you guys don't over react and you know Uh-oh, watch you, it gordon you know. here it comes here it comes, <laughs> here it comes. <laughs> but you know what it is is you know as i'm watching this and everything as a former teacher when you give someone an incomplete that incomplete doesn't stay for all until next year and until the next trade is made that incomplete you know turns into an f at the end of the at the end of the semester so that's where I'm kind of concerned with with with, it, with this with, with you know the narrative of you know, hey, we can give it time, but there is also pressure because of the fact that, but you know, we were just you know agonizing of how Orlando got better and Indiana got better, and now I have to watch you know now as I have the NBA you know league pass. Shout out to 2K for giving me that for free. Well, it's not for free. I paid $150 for it, you know, gamer game, game, gaming fees. You know how that is, Gordon. So I I watched the Toronto game, and I'm just looking at them, and I'm just like, wow, their ball movement looks a lot better. There's not someone parked, uh, you know, underneath taking away the lanes from the slashers, which is kind of making – Emmanuel quickly looked like an all-star after that game, so it's just like it kind of it kind of stuck while I was you know watching that, and then I switched over to the Nick game to you know watch 14 turnovers, which only agonized me more. So you can see why you know certain Nick fans are are are, are going to be looking at it. And by the way, under no circumstances can Toronto be better than us because I do not want to see a motivated Emmanuel quickly or or even RJ. Barrett 
or even come close to what he was in the playoffs last year against the Knicks in the playoffs because that will be a disastrous thing because that that that's just a bad that's that's just going to be a bad matchup from an offensive standpoint when we have ISO and we can't we can't be able to get open shots. So just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. All right, have a I great... hear what you're saying, Jose. Thanks for the phone call. I'll tell you what, we'll step away. Gordon and I are anxious to respond. We have a couple, you know, we have a couple of thoughts. Mm. Maybe we can, you know, put it in perspective for you just a little bit. That's next yeah. on 987 ESPN. It's Superbox Bonanza 5. Over $10,000 in cash and prizes on the line. And it all starts January 8th. WEPN FM, New York. Register 